Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 7. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. My question is a simple question, crunch munch. And I don't know nothing about all them scholars, crunch munch. And he finished his apple. All I want to know is, he said, this apple I just ate, was it bitter or sweet? Dr. Tillich paused for a moment and answered in exemplary scholarly fashion. I cannot possibly answer that question for I haven't tasted your apple. The white-haired preacher dropped the core of his apple into his crumpled paper bag and looked up at Dr. Tillich and said calmly, neither have you tasted my Jesus. (laughs) Don't you love that? Question, are you a person who knows about God? Are you a person who has actually come to know God? Because let me tell you something, at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Not knowing about Jesus is one thing, but knowing Jesus is another. No amount of education can bring you to the place of knowing Jesus. Crunch munch. (laughs) They marvel. They were astonished at the way Jesus spoke. Look at verse 15. How does this man know letters having never learned? If they can't knock his teaching, they try and knock his education. They can't get him on his knowledge, so they go for his background. They've done this before. They said, what does he know? He came from Nazareth. They said, what is this guy saying? He's the son of a carpenter, as if a carpenter's son can't know anything. Look at verse 16. Jesus said, my doctrine is not mine, but it is his that sent me. In other words, I'm not teaching what I think. I got it straight from God. Ouch. Jesus says, you're right. My doctrine is different from yours because I got my doctrine straight from God. You got yours from the rabbis. Jesus is making it undeniably clear that I'm not just shooting off at the mouth. The things that I speak, I'm speaking because I got it right from headquarters. Jesus says, I'm a mouthpiece of the one who sent me namely God, the rabbis got their authority by being faithful to the teacher who taught them. And Jesus gets his authority by being faithful to God himself who speaks directly through him. And Jesus says, my teaching is not mine, but it is his who sent me. Listen, Jesus knows everything. He knows the mind of God. Write it down. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, 
And my ways are not your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are high than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Jesus knew the very thoughts of God the Father. Listen, we don't have time. Promise me you'll look up these verses later. Chapter 5, verse 19. The Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father. Chapter 6, verse 39. This is the will of the Father who sent me. Chapter 10, verse 15. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. Listen, the only way for Jesus to know the will of God and the mind of God, he would have to be God. And Jesus always has a complete consciousness of God's mind and action. And watch this. Not only does Jesus know the mind of God, but he knows the mind of man. Write it down. John 5, 42. Jesus said, I know you, that you do not have the love of God in you. No wonder the officer said, no man ever spoke like this, John 7, 46. Jesus' knowledge was so overwhelming, they knew it couldn't be human. Point number two, you should believe that Jesus is the Christ and believe his claims because of his test. Look at verse 17. I had you read it with me, didn't I? If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. Real simple. If anyone wants to do the will of God, he can. He can know of the doctrine if it's of God or is Jesus speaking of himself. In other words, Jesus is saying, if you think I'm shooting off my head or if you're questioning, did I really get it from God? Here's the test. If you honestly, genuinely, really down in your heart are willing to do what God wants, you will know. How can someone know if Jesus' teaching is of God? According to this verse, if that person is willing to do his will, he will know whether a person is speaking from God or not. In other words, listen, write this down. The condition of knowing is willing. The condition of knowing is is willing. I told you last week, Jesus never commits himself to unbelief. Say it with me. Jesus never commits himself to unbelief. I need everybody to say it with me. Jesus never commits himself to unbelief. Say it again. Jesus never commits himself to unbelief. Concerning unbelief, Jesus always confounds it and condemns it. He never yields to a hard, unwilling, faithless heart. There must always be an honest desire to know and to do his will. If you're willing to know, you will know. It's that simple. That's the test. And the reason people do not own up to the truth, listen, the reason people do not own up to the truth of what Jesus teaches is not the lack of sufficient evidence. It's their will. I'm going to say that again. The reason people do not own up to the truth of what Jesus teaches is not a lack of evidence. It's their will. We might say it's their hard heart. It's against God. The fundamental problem is not intellectual. It's moral. The problem isn't deficient resources, but deep rebellion against God. People can't see the truth because their will is insubordinate against the authority of God. Am I right about it? 
people can't see the truth because their will is insubordinate against the authority of God. If you want to know if Jesus is who he claimed to be, you come to him and you say, listen, I'm trying to help you. If you want to know if Jesus is who he says he is, then you come to him and you say, God, I really want to know. And I am willing to do your will. And I promise you, based on the authority of Scripture, if you come to God that way, God will answer you and you will know. Amen. Write it down. Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen. You seek me, you find me when you search for me with half your heart. Ah, with all your heart. Deuteronomy 4, 29. But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. Psalm 119, 2. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. If you come to Jesus with reservations, you'll never know. Listen, here's how it works. Right willing is the foundation of right knowing. Did you get that? Right willing is the foundation of right knowing. You will know that Jesus is from God when your will is so transformed that you will what God wills. When your desires are God's desires. When your passions are God's passions. When your preferences are God's preferences. When your willing syncs up with God's willing, your knowing will be in sync with his truth. A rebellious will toward God produces a blind eye toward Jesus. Number three, we got to move on. You should believe Jesus because of his selflessness. Look at verse 18. He who speaks of himself seeks his own glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true. Really simple. If a man's life is devoted to magnifying and glorifying God and not his own glory, then he is true. In order to recognize the truth of Jesus, you need to see that his life is devoted to the glory of God. And this is beautiful. Because every phony Messiah, every charlatan, every crook, every false savior of the world has ever known has been in it for two reasons. Money and ego. Usually they've got an unbelievably glorified ego and a fantastic scheme to make money. Everything is about them and for them. The world is full of a bunch of religious phonies. And one of the reasons we know and believe that Jesus is true is because he never sought his own glory. Saints, I need you to say amen. amen. Jesus said in verse 18, Jesus said, I'm not seeking my own glory. Look at verse 18. He said, I'm not seeking my own glory. I seek the glory of the Father. The way to pick out a true Savior is look for the one who isn't seeking glory. He's the one who stoops down and washes the feet of the disciples. He's the one who came not to be ministered to, but to minister. He's the one who came to lay down his life. He's the one who lies down flat on the cross while they nail him there. He's the one who makes no money and has no home and takes nothing and just gives and gives and gives and gives. False messiahs don't do that. Number four, Jesus, you should believe, 
his claims because of his impact in verse 19 through 20. Look at verse 19. Y'all with me? Look at verse 19. Did not Moses give you the law and yet none of you keeps the law? Why are you trying to kill me? Another reason we know that Jesus is the real deal because if he wasn't, they would have never wanted to kill him. He never would have caused the hatred toward him that he caused. Did y'all get that? We know Jesus is the real deal because they want to kill him. Jesus said the world loves its own. And if the world hates you, it's because you're not part of it, John 15, 18. Jesus is saying the world hates me because I'm not part of it. Mr. and Mrs. Christian, the world will hate you too if you're not part of it. If you don't go along with the political correctness, the world will hate you. If you don't go along with the various agendas of the world, and God knows this world has so many agendas. And it's crazy. It's crazy. And the world, listen, you shouldn't go along with the world. I'm only talking to Christians now. If you're not a Christian, go to sleep. I'm talking to Christians. Say amen, my people. The world hates you. That's why you shouldn't go along with the world, because they hate you. You don't stand for what they stand for. And that's why I don't understand why is the church trying to conform to the world, when in fact the world hates us. And the world is trying to come into the church, and it's unbelievable how the church is conforming to the world and becoming like the world and allowing the world to polarize ourselves. Oh, the church is all divided over the world's political correctness and their agendas. Are you hearing me? Zimmerman Martin. During election time, I hate, I, I can't stand it during election. I, I, I can't, I, you know what? During the next election, I think I'm going to take off the whole election period. <laughs> I'm going to take off. I can't stand it. I can't stand it because the church is like all these people over here and all these people over here and who you're voting for over there and people still want to know who I voted for and I ain't telling you. You know, people ask me who I'm voting for, I tell them, I say, none ya. You know what that means? None your business. Write that down. Why? Because I will not allow the pulpit to become a place that's going to polarize the church. This pulpit is not for that. The pulpit is not for that. The pulpit is for this. The pulpit is not for that. The pulpit is for this. The word of God brings us together. We are one body. We are one body, yet many members. We can't let the world come in with all their agendas and, oh, well, who, oh, well, who do you agree with, Will Zimmerman? Well, who do you agree with, Will Martin? Well, who do you vote for? And all this stuff here. That stuff should stay out there. Don't bring it in here. 
And as long as I'm pastor, listen, y'all, as long as I'm pastor, we're not having none of that, okay? We're not having it. That's the church down there. That's not for here. I will not allow the world to polarize this church. This will not be a black church or a white church. This is the church of Jesus Christ. Anybody is welcome. Anybody. Anybody's welcome. I don't care who you are, what you look like, what you wear. You know what I say? People say, what you wear to church? Wear something. (laughs) Hallelujah. Cover that up. (laughs) Ain't nobody trying to see that. Come on, clap your hands and say amen. You know I'm right about it. You know I'm right about it. You know I'm right. You know it. Wear something. All that's just trying to polarize the church. All the black church to the white church. This is not all about that. This church is about Jesus. This church is about the word of God. Black church or white church, and you know, oh, you know, people. Oh, I, well, you know, I, I, well, I just don't see color. I just don't see color. I'm like people say that they, you know. Well, I don't see color. You don't see color. I, well, I do. <laughs> I do. I'm happy to see color. Right now, I'm looking at a lot of color. <laughs> I'm happy to see people. Oh, I just don't see color. I just. <laughs> nah, nah. <laughs> I just don't see color. I just love the Lord. <laughs> I'm like, I see color. I ain't Stevie Wonder. I see color. I'm black. Now, new people, listen. Don't, don't, don't take it there, all right? It's all okay. This is just how we are here at Calvary Chapel. We don't really care about the color because we don't care. It ain't all about you no way. Okay, ain't nobody coming here to see you. Ain't nobody don't care what you got on and who you is and all. Nobody cares about that. All we care is to worship Jesus and love Jesus. That's all we care about. If you're white or if you're black, that's fine. I see color. You should see color. God is a God of color. Say amen. Well, why is this a problem? We got roses and daffodils, and carnation, and all kind of flowers, a bouquet of flowers, all different kinds. God is a God of creativity and color. I'm black. Amen. And some of y'all white. Amen. And some of y'all little both. Amen. It's okay. Jesus loves everybody. His blood is red. Stop it. We are the body of Christ. Do not let the world squeeze you into its mold. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Don't let the world cause you to have to side with political correctness in order for you to be received and accepted in the office. And, and, and you got to agree with this and you got to agree with that. You don't. You stand for God's word always and God will stand with you. And that's what I know. 
Jesus has such an impact on the world, he had to be real. Think about it. Jesus never hurt anybody. He was harmless. He did wonderful things and miracles for everybody, and he loved people and talked to children. Other people didn't talk to kids in those days. He healed people and fed people and taught people and loved people. And if Jesus had been a mere man, he would have been the greatest rabbi who ever lived. He probably would have trumped Santa Claus. He was a wonderful guy and everybody loved him. And sure, there might have been some people he's walking around talking about he's a messiah. And there's probably some people going, well, you know, the guy's a little, you know, he's got a little messiah complex. I mean, you know, he, but he's a good guy. And he's like one fry short of a happy meal, but you know. Elevator doesn't go to top floor. Lights are on. Nobody's home. But he's a good guy. Most of the time, he's a good guy. No, that's not what they thought. The problem is, is that he was, he kept claiming to be God. And every time he said that he was God, it rattled their cages and their indifference turned to hostility and their hostility turned to a plot to murder and their plot to murder turned to murder. No false Messiah ever hit the world with the impact that Jesus did. But considering from where he came from, no wonder he hit it so hard. Look at verse 19. Jesus said to the religious leaders, you guys say you follow Moses. You say you're the great obeyers of the law. Then why do you seek to kill me and don't you remember the part of the law that said thou shall not kill but your hearts are filled with murders you phonies verse 20 these people said you have a demon nobody's trying to kill you obviously they didn't know the plot against him they didn't understand point number five and finally you should believe Jesus because of his deeds in verse 21 through 23 Jesus had done so many wonderful, awesome deeds. His deeds should have been enough evidence that he is God. Look at verse 21. Jesus said, I did. Y'all looking at verse 21. I did one work and you marvel. Now, the one work that he's talking about is the healing of the man at the pool of Bethesda. Remember chapter 5? Jesus healed that man on the Sabbath. And the Jews said, what are you doing getting healed on the Sabbath? How dare you? You should have been healed on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday, but why are you healed on the Sabbath? The Bible says from that time they sought to kill him. The deeds that Jesus did should have convinced them of who he was, but instead they trampled them under the feet of unbelief. Verse 21 through 23, Jesus is making the point that Moses commanded that you circumcise on the eighth day. Now listen close. If the eighth day fell on the Sabbath, you would still circumcise. And Jesus is saying, why do you think it's okay to do a work circumcise on one part of the physical body on the Sabbath and not take care of another part of the physical body on the Sabbath, healing that man in chapter 5. Jesus is simply making the point, it's hypocritical and it doesn't make sense. In verse 24, if you're looking at Jesus Christ, don't judge according to the appearance, but judge according to what, saints? Righteous judgment. In other words, don't make a decision about Jesus superficially. And don't judge just on the surface. Give him a chance to show you the evidence. And once you have the evidence, be fair about Jesus. Jesus is saying, don't write me off too fast. Here's the evidence. Weigh it. Consider him. Take the test. Come genuinely, honestly, and see he is who he claimed to be. I leave you with this. 
Listen, if you want to develop a love for classical music, you would study it and spend time talking to people about it who love it. You would listen and listen and listen. If you wanted to develop a love of visual arts, you would study it and go to the art museum and spend time with those who love it. And you would look at it and look at it and look at it. If you want to develop a love for the sky, you would get a telescope and study and you'd read astronomy and spend time with people who love it. And you would gaze at it and gaze at it and gaze at it. If you want to love the glory of God, you will study God and spend time with people who love God and listen to God and look to God and gaze and gaze and gaze at the revelation of the glory of God. If any man wills to do his will, he shall know concerning Jesus. The question here remains, my friends, do you will? If you will, he will. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's one 800 293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.